It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it's Friday, so you know what that means? It's time for the roundtable. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot of sports, a lot of things going on, but to introduce the guest today, we got Sam Ekstrom, the producer who does it all. we got Reggie Wilson from CARE 11, and we got the Hockey Day, like, just aficionado julia daniels from care 11 she'll explain her hockey day hoodie experience later but i'm ron johnson again and we are gonna give you guys some great topics again there's a lot going on in in sports you got hockey day in minnesota you got the wild you got the wolves you got the gophers in the recruiting trail you got so much so let's get locked in on these topics what you got for sam yeah i gotta give the obligatory hockey topic hockey day minnesota in warroad on saturday None of us grew up in Minnesota. I think we should all talk about how we've experienced Minnesota hockey culture since we moved here. And it's January, and Chris Finch is ripping the team. Is there cause for concern in Wolves land? And Joe Maurer is headed to the Hall of Fame. We've got reactions from that. I know we've got uh, diverse reactions from that. <laughs> Well, I don't want to ruin everybody's Christmas, but we will talk about Joe Maurer after we get done with Joe Maurer. But first, we got to talk about NFL Championship Sunday, the best time of the year, in my opinion, one of the best Final Fours. I know the college basketball Final Four is big, but this Final Four to me is just as big. We're going to talk about matchups. We're going to talk about our FanDuel locks, and we have to react because college football just lost, and not only college football, but the Big Ten just lost hardball. Does that change? the scope of Michigan in the Big Ten, Michigan in the nation, P.J. Flex status, or does Harbaugh bump some of these Kevin O'Connells and and Sean McVay's out because he's the new hot boy in town? We'll talk about all that much more coming up next, but I want everybody to know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed. That's guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, visit FanDuel.com backslash locked on and get started. And hey, if you haven't done it yet and you want to get take advantage of that $5 bet, stick around for the segment where we give you the locks because we're going to give you some easy $5 bets to win $150. I did it. I took the Lakers over the Nuggets game one. They won. They didn't win anything else after that. So I'm glad I did in the first game. So you want to listen to our locks because we're going to help you out with that. But with no further ado, it's time to jump into the show, people. And uh, championship week. Now, I'm going to start off with mine. I looked at ESPN's little uh, Instagram post. And to me, I was a little bit upset. I don't know if you guys saw this post. The way they worded it to me just seems weird. And and I commented, and now my, my phone is blowing up because of how I did it. And I guess I was too vague. ESPN put it this way. They said, Brock Purdy... And the 49ers are headed to win their sixth Super Bowl. Or would you rather see Jared Goff win his first Super Bowl? Or Lamar Jackson get his first ring? Or Patrick Mahomes get his third ring? Now, to me, it felt like they could have said Brock Purdy win his first ring. So I personally felt like they were trying to downplay, or sorry, make Brock Purdy's team look better. And, oh, they got their sixth one coming up. And then bring up Lamar's never won one. That's how I took it. Other people took it as, Brock Purdy slander. Why not talk about Brock Purdy's first win? So there's a lot going on there, but here's where I go with this. I think Jared Goff is going to knock off the 49ers. I do. I feel like Debo Samuel's injury, whether he plays or not, he's not going to be at 100%. Without Debo Samuels, if he doesn't play, 
it, you just you lose a piece of that offense that has carried Brock Purdy this entire way. And I don't say carry in a bad way because if you were to put any other quarterback in that system that's not as good as Brock Purdy, they don't do as well. Like you can say whatever you want, but if that was the case, Trey Lance would still be there. So that's let's throw that out there. Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, yes, he is the team. Yes, but the Ravens have won two Super Bowls. So why not celebrate the organization as well as Lamar Jackson? When you talk about Mahomes, it's cut and dry. They got two. He's got two. They're headed for their third. So I personally feel like this is going to be Lamar Jackson versus Jared Goff. I want to see the Ravens versus the Lions. I just really think when you think about this championship weekend and everything it brings, that's what everybody wants to see. I want to see Dan Campbell take it. I know everybody in the NFC North or whatever, we have Spice Adams on and everybody's chasing the Lions. Some people want to hate on the Lions. I think it's a great story of kneecaps taking chunks out of people. Uh, the signs they could have did without Justin Jefferson wasn't happy with that because, of course, his teammate was one of the kneecaps they were talking about. But I think this is going to be a chance to see Dan Campbell's grit and defense versus this 49ers offense and Kenny stop him. I'm looking forward to that one the most. Patrick Mahomes and Lamar, it'll be fun, but I want to see this NFC one the most. Sam, what you think? Yeah, um, I, I'm with you. I'm dialed in on Detroit in this one. I think that the Lions have a great chance because – Purdy this season, he's had some really high highs. Started the year 5-0, and came out of the bye on fire. But he's gone into two tailspins now where they lost those three in a row before the bye week, including a loss to the Vikings. And right now, three out of four clunkers from Purdy and the 49ers, super lucky to have survived the Packers game. Got outplayed, won the game late. Very clutch drive by Purdy and company and McCaffrey, and they, they score at the end, they win. Um, Jordan Love throws it to the heavens uh, for anybody to catch. But is San Francisco going to come out of their tailspin? Because if they don't, Detroit will take advantage. Dan Campbell, I don't know if he's going to go for two every single touchdown, if he's going to go for it on fourth down every single time, but this is a kitchen sink Dan Campbell game on the road in San Francisco. Detroit is going to throw everything at them. And I, I really like Detroit. I love them to cover, but I I also like them to win. And then Mahomes against Lamar. Honestly, I lean underdog a little bit in this one too. I think the Chiefs plus three and a half. I think Mahomes is like like all the great ones, just needed a reason to find motivation. And that reason was people saying that he couldn't win on the road or he'd never gone on the road and won in the playoffs. And now he's done it. And he's someone that is going to find that motivation, whether it's legit or not. It's the I took that personally meme with Patrick Mahomes. So I think going on the road, people talking about Lamar MVP. Yeah. Um, I think that this actually leans Mahomes and Chiefs for me, who maybe played their best game against the Bills this season. Um, so I think the underdogs, I like the road teams, Chiefs and Lions, to play in the Super Bowl. Mm. Reggie. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to look at the the weekend and and just think that the the 49ers will just somehow just you know put it together turn it on like I do think that they will be able to match up well with that Lions defense like honestly you know Aaron Glenn does I guess the best that he can but the defense kind of has some holes in there and they're an opportunistic defense but I just don't know if they're that great um they do give up quite a bit of plays uh, on a week-to-week basis i mean nick mullins threw for like 400 yards on them a couple of times and so 
Um, I, I'm I'm interested to see what the 49ers do, especially if they have no Debo. And a lot of the talk about Brock Purdy has been like, oh, you know, the team around him is what makes him good because all he has to do is go back there and basically be a point guard and distribute the ball to all the playmakers and let them do all the work. And that's fine. You know, I, I think I think that's probably where ESPN was going with that post that you mentioned, Ron. Um, but I'm I'm like all in on on Detroit just doing that thing, man. I, I think they have the better quarterback, which is if you would have told me that five years ago that Jared Goff would be in a situation where he was the better quarterback in a matchup, in a championship matchup, I would say, oh, you're crazy. You're crazy. But he has like risen to the occasion. He's elevated his play in Detroit. And, you know, shout out to Ben Johnson, who's probably going to get a head coaching job and that coaching staff for really doing it with them. I think what's interesting about Detroit is Dan Campbell showed the difference between him and Sean McDermott. Like when he makes a decision that he's going to go for it, He's like, look, that we're we're gonna line up and do whatever we we need to do to to make it happen. I trust my guys. Sean McDermott is running fake punts with Demar Hamlin, like it's some type of Disney fairy tale storybook story, and it just didn't work. It's like the difference between just having faith in your guys and just going for it no matter what, just letting them hang, you know, and then you just trying to try something. I, I don't know. I that was that was a really bizarre play to me. Um as far as the other side with the Chiefs like, you know, Lamar said yesterday to be champs, you got to go through the champs. And so I'm interested to see if they will do what they have to do to beat the Chiefs. I think this will be the game for the Chiefs that would, you know, MVS is catching passes last week and, you know, all those issues that they've had with guys dropping passes and all that stuff just didn't really come into play. I think in the championship game where the pressure is on even more, I can see where things could kind of regress back to what they've been. This is, this is Baltimore's opportunity. This is any other team like playing the Chiefs, this is their opportunity to beat them because this Chiefs team is not what the Chiefs teams of the past have been as far as just like the the offensive output. So if any team is going to get the Chiefs, this is the year to do it. So I'm with you, Ron. I think think, uh, I'll take Lions and I'll take the Ravens. Smart choice, Reggie. I like that too. Um, Sam, I think you were Chiefs. You're Chiefs-Lions. Chiefs-Lions. Reggie's Lions-Ravens. I'm Lions Ravens, so it feels like a Lions three so far. Two for the Ravens, one for the Chiefs. Julia, what you got? Um, uh, obviously it's everyone wants to root for the Lions, right? Um, what I saw a lot of last week with that Green Bay game in the 49ers was a lot of issues with Brock Purdy were coming from the fact that it was raining. Um, so what did I do? I looked up the weather in, in Santa Clara for the weekend. It's a 5% chance of rain on Saturday or on Sun on Sunday, 6% chance. Um, I, I can see the 49ers pulling this off. I think their defense, like Reggie said, had, I think Reggie said this, had a lot of holes this past week. Um, 
I could see them figuring this out. However, I mean, it's Dan Campbell is just, he's such a character. And as a coach, you just literally never know what they're going to pull out. I also think um, once that Lions offense, which is just so good, once they get into rhythm, they're so hard to stop. Um, and Jared Goff talked about it yesterday. <clears throat> I think it was yesterday he had his, his funny presser where he showed a lot of personality, but he talked about the weapons that they have on their offense. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with you guys, and I'm going to ride the bandwagon of the Lions. I would love to mm. see the Lions in the Super Bowl. Um, but I will say – Brock Purdy not wiping his hands off while he's dropping back would probably help him out a little bit more, uh, give him a little more extra time. But it's hard because, like everyone's been talking about, 49ers literally have the Avengers, but they're kind of beat up right now. Um, and after seeing how they played against the Packers, uh, I, I can see the Lions definitely taking advantage of a lot of problems that they're having at this time. When it comes to the Ravens-Chiefs uh, game, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Ravens for that one. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with Reggie on that one. I'm gonna say. Uh, I think their offense is really dynamic. I think the Chiefs have just been struggling right now, and like Reggie said, which is a great point, now is the time to beat the Chiefs. On the flip side of that, Patrick Mahomes and that offensive line. The offensive line is playing. I feel like it's best football that it's played all season right now, and that is a huge advantage for what I would argue is the best quarterback in the league. Uh, he's going to make plays. He's more determined in the postseason than we see any other quarterback at this time of year, right? Um, so it's not going to be easy, and I think that um, he he definitely will have advantages against that Ravens defense too. But I would just love to see Lamar Jackson play in a Super Bowl. Um, he's so fun to watch, and I think that being at home, this is the first time the Ravens have hosted championship. Mm-hmm. And I believe ever. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's different this year. Um, and I would love to see them win at home. Um, and I would love to see them be the chiefs. And also as a Swifty, um, Taylor Swift's going to be in Tokyo for the Super Bowl, So she can't even go. <laughs> so the NFL script writers, they can't really think about, you know, having the chiefs win that game so that she can be there for the Super Bowl because she can't be back in time for that huge game and they can't use her for coverage during that game. And somehow she hops on. CBS is devastated at this news. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go Ravens for that one. I think the NFL is going to think, well, uh, if Taylor can't be there, then why would why would we want the Chiefs to be there anyways? Because yeah. so. Jason Kelsey's going to get naked. Like if the Chiefs <laughs> go, Jason Kelsey is going to get butt booty naked. They had a meeting <laughs> in NFL and they said, uh, we'll have Jason go to this Bills game and show out so that then when the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, we'll have somebody else to put the camera on instead of Taylor. What you should do, Julia, though, so since you know Taylor's not going to be there, you should get that coat, the 87 jacket, put a hoodie over it, just walk in super like like with security. <laughs> you get some guys, hire security to like walk around you. People wouldn't even know. They'd be like, oh, Taylor's here. And you just walk in like you're supposed to be there. Just, you know, just keep have your security say, where, where's, where's uh, the suite? Where's Patrick Mahomes suite at? That's where I'm supposed to be. And just keep going. Uh, but, but maybe Julia broke news. The Chiefs will not go because Taylor Swift can't be there and the NFL is tired of it. They would rather see Jared or uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens because Ray Lewis will be there. I don't know if Ray wants to go back to Vegas, though, because he hasn't had a lot of some bad things happen to him at big places like that. Um, but yikes. <laughs> 
But, yeah. but we got it before we get into these fan do picks. So we got Ravens Lions for three people. We got Ravens or no Chiefs Lions Chiefs for Lions. Sam. So that's it. Nobody's really. T- I, I like that. Nobody's on the 49ers, which makes me believe the 49ers are going to find a way to do it. And Brock Purdy's history will live on because everybody's pulling for the Lions. But I hope Dan Campbell comes out and punches him in the mouth. I'm glad Sam Laporta's back because that was always the drama of you shouldn't have played Laporta anyway. You're the reason he got hurt. If he didn't play, then you probably have him. Well, he has him. He's back. He's not 100%, but he's going to do just enough. Debo Samuels, we'll see. He's a 50-50, they're saying right now, but a lot can happen with a couple of tortoise shots, some numbing motion stuff, you know, a couple of pills. So maybe Debo will be back. But before we get into these fan do locks, we got to break some news. Kind of everybody knows John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh, sorry, played for the Chargers, played at Michigan, now comes full circle, coached for them, and now he's gonna play for them as well. He coached for Michigan. Now he's gonna coach for the for the for the Chargers. Full circle moment for Harbaugh. Harbaugh and Harbaugh already played in the Super Bowl before. Uh, and the Ravens actually play the Chargers this season. Uh, so that'll be another we get, we're going to hear about it all week. Harbaugh was Harbaugh part two. We get to hear about that. So the script writers in the NFL, it's kind of working out the way they wanted it to. Because theoretically, if, if he had come to the Vikings, he wouldn't have probably played his brother for a while. Now he goes somewhere in the AFC where he can play his brother more often. The story can be written. But this is the question I have for you guys. One or two or three. One, are you shocked? Two, where does that leave Michigan? Because Ohio State fans started posting right away, ding dong, the witch is dead. And they, they now think that there's their show now in the Big Ten. Also, we have USC, UCLA, Oregon, and so on and so forth. And Washington, I think, coming to the Big Ten. So there's a lot going on there. But our Vikings fans, if Harbaugh comes out the gate firing at all cylinders, Herbert is MVP or some crazy like that, they go deep in the playoffs. Are Vikings fans going to regret not hiring Harbaugh and hiring Kevin O'Connell? That's another question I want to throw at you guys. I'll start with you. Let's go with you, Reggie. So (laughs) I tweeted this yesterday. Uh, It was like, is Ryan Day just so relieved to see (laughs) Harbaugh out of there? Because the last three years, he has put Ryan Day in hell. Like, it's been really tough. And it's as loud as it's ever been for Ryan Day since he's been there. And they've gone out and had a heck of a recruiting season. They've snatched some of uh, Alabama's players out of the portal. I know, I'm sorry, Juju. Uh, After after Sir Nick retired. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see in the Big Ten. it's, It's like, yeah, now Harbaugh is gone. So you might be able to beat Michigan. But then, oh, yeah, now all these uh, Pac-12 teams are coming. So, like, now you got to contend with, you know, USC and Washington. And, you know, it's not in Oregon. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy for those guys at all. So, I I think it's funny. Harbaugh's like, you know what? Uh, I got the ring. I'm going to get out of here, especially, too, if these sanctions drop. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. That's that's their problem now. I did what I was supposed to do. I got the ring. And so I, I think it's going to be interesting. What's different, though, um, to answer your question, Ron, about the situation with Harbaugh, I think he is inheriting a better situation than the one he would have been taking over in Minnesota. You mm-hmm. know, you, you kind of look at 
you know, this crossroads of where they are with the quarterback situation. Do they keep Kirk Cousins? Do you, do they try to draft one and all these things? I think I think those those things are they kind of bring a level of uncertainty with what is going to happen on offense. And then you kind of look at where the roster is and where the salary cap situation is. I think they have a little bit more going on. Um, we saw this Chargers team this year at the bank, and that team is talented. Justin Herbert chopped that Vikings defense up, and I think they just need someone stable for them because, you know, chargering is a thing. And you would like to think that with Harbaugh, chargering won't be so much of a thing. You know, we've seen some bad losses from Harbaugh when he was at Michigan. We've seen some some tough play from those 49ers teams that he was coaching as well. So it hasn't just been all rainbows and roses, but when you think about three straight NFC championship appearances for Harbaugh and his team, like you got to feel good. That being said, he is taking over um, a team in a division with Patrick Mahomes Mm -hmm. and that AFC West is going to be a gauntlet. When you think about, you know, what Sean Payton is wanting to do, what the chiefs are going to do, this offseason, probably loading up at receiver. And then, you know, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with the Raiders and Antonio Pierce moving forward. But they did get Tom Telesco as GM, and he is a reason why that Chargers roster is so talented. So there'll be someone to look out for as well. It's going to be a very interesting thing, but I think getting Harbaugh in place is a is a really huge deal for the Chargers. I, you asked if it's shocking. I, I don't know that it's shocking because he's continued to flirt with NFL opportunities. I think Schefter brought up, you know, it was the Vikings two years ago. Um, who It was the Broncos last year, and then now he finally goes to the Chargers. So I'm interested to see how it works out. You know, he he kind of wore out his welcome in, in San Francisco. So we'll see if – because I, I feel like this will be it. Because what else does he have to – to prove or achieve like he he's already gone back to his alma mater and won and now he he needs a he needs a super bowl for his ego so i think i could see the chargers thing being a long-term thing for him like i said unless he wears out his welcome like he did in san francisco right definitely different than college football going to the nfl doesn't have to recruit doesn't have to spend hours on the road why because he's gonna have players calling him coach can i come play for you can you please draft me so a lot different less money but a lot different. Your your responsibilities aren't as high. Who cares what grades these guys have? As long as they don't do anything off the field that is detrimental to team, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Hey, it, it, it's all well. And he's in the state that marijuana is legal. So have fun with it. Uh, I'm going to go with you, Julian, next. What do you think? I'm always hesitant with college coaches going to the NFL. We've already seen him in this space before. He's the only coach that I'm not worried about when it comes to this. And I don't know if it's because – He's just so bizarre as a person um, that, and, and he's just like always the same. Like you're always going to get the same kind of odd Jim Harbaugh, right? With this guy. Um, he makes, he makes for great TV all the time. And that's what it's really all about at the end of the day. Right. He's going to make for great TV going against John Payton. Um, do I think that he, that the Vikings should have gone after him um, I mean, it's hard to, it's like, I hate these hypothetical questions because it's just like, especially when it comes to the Vikings, everything is so unknown. Um, I think Kevin O'Connell was a good hire. I think with Jim Harbaugh, um, 
maybe they would have known what they were getting into a little bit more with him. Uh, I think he would have done well here. Yes, I think he'll do well with the Chargers. Um, but this is a move um, I think we saw coming, obviously, that he was coming to the NFL. He was going to leave Michigan, that sort of thing. And I think, Reggie, you're exactly right in saying, like, what else has he got to prove? He just won a national championship with these Michigan guys, um, and now it's time to go and prove that you're worth something, like, really in the NFL. Um, I just think it'll be it'll be fun to keep up with him a little bit more because we cover so much NFL here um, in this market in particular for us at CARE. So I think that this just gives him an even bigger stage to kind of expand his personality and show us the personality a little bit more. So selfishly for myself, you know, we'll see what he does with the Chargers, but I'm just so excited for all of the content that we'll get um, of him and also just like having him and his brother, you know, in the league together is always a fun storyline that everyone likes to go about too. But um, I think that he will do well. And, and like you said, Reggie, he's, he's been given the hands to a pretty luxurious, given the keys to a pretty luxurious car uh, out there. I think that he's got a lot to work with and I think that he'll um, do well with that team. I think it was a good hire. Should he have been in Minnesota? We don't know. Um, and we still have yet to see what Kevin O'Connell's up, you know, what he's capable of doing too. He's so young um, and he's so new to the head coaching thing. I think uh, we'll see good stuff out of him, especially offensively, because that's what he does. But yeah, I'm excited to see Jim Harbaugh uh, in the league. It should be interesting. Sam. Yeah, I'll be quick. I think uh, Michigan's going to be fine, just the way Ohio State was fine when they moved on from Urban Meyer and brought in Ryan Day. I think Michigan proved already they can win without Jim Harbaugh on the sideline this season. If I'm Los Angeles, just be careful. Be careful. Because they're talking about bringing the same coaching staff back together and like getting the gang back together from San Francisco. I, I worry about the retread, about trying to run it back. He hasn't coached in the NFL for a decade. Think about if Mike Zimmer tried to do what he did in 2014 when he took the Vikings job a decade later. If he tried the same, the exact same team building in 2024, it would not work. The way you coach guys has changed. The strategy mm-hmm. has changed. The Everything's changed. So Harbaugh is going to have to innovate. He can't just do the exact same thing he did in San Francisco uh, to have success because a lot has gone on in the league since he left. So be careful. Los Angeles, if you're just going to let him run the show, there was a big power struggle. We remember with Harbaugh and Trent Baalke in San Francisco. If they're giving him the keys to the castle, just watch out. Yeah, because when you look at, you know, you, you talk about his coaching staff and some of the guys, you know, he had on that team. The biggest thing was um, the defense. You know, he had a really good defense. I'm not saying the Chargers don't, but that's what he kind of, you know, held his hat on. But <clears throat> you look at some of the guys. Guess who his secondary's coach was at that time? Old Ed Donatel. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he wants to get that gang back together after what Ed Donatel showed. I mean, Sleepy Ed is a great guy. Um, but, you know, Vic Fangio, Jim uh, Tom Sula, um, Mick Lombardi. Uh, you know, he has some decent names on there, but it's like mm, the game is – and you're right, the game has changed. You know, Greg Roman, you know, does, does he want to link back up with Harbaugh? Uh, Tom Rathman, the running back, you know, John Morton, receivers coach, uh, Eric Mangini. So, I mean, Vic Ronald Fangio Curry is free. Vic Fangio is free. Um, I think Greg Roman is free too now, isn't he? Didn't Ravens 
Yeah. Dip they, off of they him. moved on from him. They got yeah. Monk in his OC now. Yeah. So, I mean, you could run it back, but I, I have a feeling that uh, Michigan, I've seen a lot of Michigan coaches post, like, love you, coach. Appreciate everything you did. I don't know if Michigan's probably telling them, hey, we're going to stick together. Uh, Sharon's going to take over as coach. We know he beat Ohio State, so maybe he's earned the right. He beat Penn State as well uh, during Harbaugh's suspension uh, before they went on to win a national championship. So I don't know. I will say for Vikings fans, I'll take the Vikings angle. Um, they, they're I'm, the word's not pacifist. I don't even know what the word is, but they love chaos. And I feel like if Harbaugh starts to do well, especially if he beats his brother in the first season after the Ravens win a Super Bowl, even maybe or go to the Super Bowl. Like people are gonna wonder, like, oh man, we should hire Harbaugh. He's not a players coach like Kevin O'Connell, and he's getting these players to play for him. And look how good Justin Herbert's doing. He could have made that into Kirk Cousins. I don't know, but I do know we we will have some negative Nellies um, that are always gonna question that if Harbaugh comes out the gate firing at all cylinders, and you know everybody's you know doing the who has it better than us? Nobody. Like, oh, we should have been doing that in Minnesota. So there's a lot you know going with that. I think from a Big Ten standpoint. Michigan, I agree, Sam. They're going to be just fine. Um, I, I think it's going to be it was going to be a change anyway. Uh, and Harbaugh wore out his welcome in college football. Like you think about that, but Connor Stallions, maybe he'll have a job because you can legally scout in the NFL. Um, I don't know if you can go to games and actually stare at the signals of coaches, but you can legally get some film and scout and go to different practices. And so maybe Connor Stallions, this was all part of the plan. Get you fired and then get me in the NFL because I'm going to be the best scout you've ever seen. But now it's time for our FanDuel locks. We're going to pick the quick locks for you guys to win five bucks. So I'll start with you, Sam. What's your FanDuel lock really quick? Yeah, um, the Chiefs have an excellent pass defense. They're going to uh, do well in coverage, which means Lamar is going to be more tempted to use his legs. So I'm taking Lamar 25-plus rushing yards in each half at Mm. plus 130. 25 plus running yards in each half. He really broke it down for you, people. Uh, Reggie, what you got? All right. So I am going. Uh, this is tough for me. I'm going to go Gus Edwards plus 140 anytime touchdown score. I mean, in these games, especially, especially with the smash mouth type of football that I'm expecting this weekend, Gus just scores touchdowns. And I, I think he'll do it again on Sunday. Julia. I'm going with Lions 49ers, Amon Ross St. Brown, 30-plus receiving yards in each half, plus 110. Mm. Well, there's a couple ones out there, people, before I jump into mine, just let you know, when you go to the NFL championship specials, There's a lot out there. There's a lot of different ones out there as well. The championship specials would be kind of like your parlays, but you can make all the games. You don't have to just worry about the winners and the losers because right now Chiefs plus three and a half, Lions plus seven. So the way we all picked it, we are going, we were going with the, um, the, the, uh, ah, the favorites. Sorry. And so when you think of, oh no, sorry, the underdogs. So when you go about, well, the Ravens are the favorite, the Lions are the underdog. So we kind of went both ways, but in the set for Sam. Uh, But when you look at these championship specials, here's one. Each team to score one plus passing touchdown. Each team to score one field goal in the championship. Now, those aren't going to get you the money, but you can go Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes to combine for six plus passing touchdowns. I'm going with that. 
I'm going for Brock Purdy. Jer- I'm kind of I'm kind of pissed off though that you guys didn't put Lamar Jackson in that. So you could do oh there's a Lamar Jackson one. You could go Brock Purdy, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Holmes to combine for six. Um, so I'm gonna take both of those plus one fifteen and plus one forty. So that gets my and then you can also go championship specials plus five hundred to plus nineteen hundred. You can you can pick, but I'm gonna go that. All four of those quarterbacks combined will get you six plus touchdowns in two different ways. That's the way to go because Patrick Mahomes is going to light it up and then the other guys are going to carry the slack. We know Purdy's going to throw the ball anyway as well. There you go. I think that's plus three. What is that? Plus 360. That's that's the lock for you. Six touchdowns between three quarterbacks. Come on, people. Let's take that. But now we're going to talk about Joe Maurer because I, for those watching on Peacock, for those watching on Amazon Fire, Roku, uh, you have to be on YouTube to see my shirt. But I'm going to bring a little Grinch to the Joe Maurer segment. I'm sorry, people, for all the Joe Maurer fans out there. But before we do that, we got we got a word from our sponsors. Brought to you on this Friday by FanDuel. There are three NFL games left this season. You can't bet on the Pro Bowl anymore, so there's only three. Two championship weekend games and the Super Bowl. There's still time to get in the action at America's number one sportsbook and get your free 150. Bet five if you're a new customer. Get $150 in bonus bets straight to your account. Guaranteed win or lose. Just a $5 bet is all it takes. And then you've got the $150 to spend however you like. Whatever denominations you want on whatever sports, you can build a same-game parlay in the Parlay Hub. You can use the Explore tab to find bet suggestions and plenty more. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup. Put it on the underdogs this weekend. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. So Julia wants to talk about Joe Maurer. Talk to us about Joe Maurer, Julia. Joe Maurer, first ballot Hall of Famer. Ron's a hater. Ron's a hater. <laughs> um, my take on this is, uh, because I'm not from here, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast, none of us are from here. Uh, I didn't grow up a Twins fan. I obviously knew who Joe Maurer was. Um, I will be honest. I was not expecting him to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I figured he'd be in the Hall of Fame at some point. I didn't expect it to go this first time. Um, Because of the lack of postseason production that every single Twins team he was on had. Um, We didn't see – he never won a playoff game. that being said, he, what, 2009 AL MVP, three Golden Gloves, three batting titles. The thing I think that sticks out to people about Joe Maurer is that he kind of created, recreated the modern day catcher um, with the way that he hit. I think that he kind of gave, put catchers back on the map when it came to being big hitters and that kind of thing. Um also, you know, you've got your voters here. And I will say, just as somebody who isn't a part of the media here, people tend to be homers, too. Um, so there's voters here that voted for him, you know, that maybe if they weren't in this particular market and they saw his stats or they saw him on paper, they they may not have voted for him this year. Um, but I, I will say there's something about Joe Maurer. Um, 
that I think sometimes we just forget when we think about like, you know, he did this, he did that, but he didn't really have this kind of production when it comes to the postseason. The guy's life is literally like a Disney movie. Um, he grew up here. He is like the top high school athlete in the United States when he's a senior. He's the best football player in the United States. He's the best baseball player. He's one of the top basketball players in the state. Um, he gets drafted number one overall, goes to his hometown team. People love this guy. And I think um, this is just, you know, part of me just as a sports fan. It's it's hard not to root for a guy like that. Um, and, and especially the way that people talk about him, too. And I think that people forget that side of when it comes to things like being a Hall of Famer. It's obviously about how well you performed at your sport. Duh. You know, we knew that. But I think it's also about um, what it comes down to when it comes to sports just in general. The fact that if anybody in Minnesota doesn't agree on something, they can agree on the fact that they're Joe Maurer fans. Right. He brings this sort of uh, unity together because he's one of the people from here. And then he sticks with his hometown team for his entire career. He finishes out here um, alongside with the fact that he has all these awards that he won, despite maybe the twins not having their best years, even though he was on the team. Um, so hall of fame for sure. I really wasn't expecting him to be a first ballot hall of famer, uh, but good for him. Um, I think it's pretty well-deserved and it's uh, very cool to see him do this uh, in his first year up for Hall of Fame. So that's kind of my two cents on the whole thing. Sam. Yeah, one of the best opposite field hitters of all time, one of the best two-strike hitters of all time, one of the most consistent hitters of all time. Look at his eight-year peak from 2006 to 2013, averaged 327 with a 410 OBP and an 883 OPS. I mean, batting champions nowadays in baseball are rarely reaching 327 like averages have gone down uh joe mauer i think in today's game with the shift band i think he would be still hitting 330 340 like on occasion i think that he's just he was that dialed in his vision was unbelievable it's really sad the way that public opinion of him deteriorated here because of the lack of team success and he became a fairly ordinary singles hitter in the final years, still very good, just not nearly the way he was at the height of his powers when he was you know, hitting 28 home runs in his MVP season. Um, but still, I mean, changed the game at catcher. Three catching batting titles at that grueling position, great defensively, um, and, and an MVP award which he brought home in 2009. And he was part of some of the best twins teams of the past 20 years, even though they didn't have playoff success. Uh, so hats off to him. I'm a big Mauer fan. Yes. I too was disappointed in the way that he kind of fell off toward the end, but um, I'm not going to forget that peak eight years where he averaged 327 every year. That's unbelievable. Reggie. Yeah. Um, it's funny, like kind of learning about Joe Mauer as I have kind of been here you know I said this on the broadcast the other day you know growing up I was a baseball fan obviously a Cardinals fan being from St. Louis but like when you thought twins in the 2000s like you thought Joe Maurer like he was who you thought about for the twins and it's so crazy kind of like being here and seeing all these stories done about how he was like this 
outstanding quarterback and basketball player. Oh, but he loved baseball. And it's like, well, he probably could have gone pro in another sport, but he wanted to play baseball. And like, it's, it's kind of like, like you said, Julia, it's like a Disney movie. It's, it's like stuff of legends. Like you, you see that stuff or you hear about that stuff and you're like, God, now. Nah. But then like you see the stories and you're like, dang, like people were not exaggerating. Like this dude was really like that. And so it's interesting to see, you know, you don't really see a guy grow up in a place and then stay in a place and then, you know, have all this greatness, not having to leave the place that he that he um, he he grew up. And so it's so interesting seeing all that. That being said, like, it's interesting to me that as jaded and as, you know, just arrogant as some of these baseball writers are that they put Maurer in on the first ballot. That That's still kind of surprising to me just because, like, he did have those last five years where, you know, he switched positions and and he was just kind of a, one of the guys, if you will. You know, he had a, a peak of, of eight to ten years where it was like, okay, this guy is elite. But over the full life of his career, I do think that he's a Hall of Famer, but I am just very surprised that these baseball writers – put him in on the first ballot. I thought that maybe they would have made him sweat a little bit. You think of guys that, you know, Billy Wagner, I guess next year is his last year to try to get in. And he couldn't, you know, he came up five votes short this year of making it in. And I thought back when I used to watch, because like I said, I'm a Cardinals fan, Billy Wagner with the Astros. Like, I'm like, that dude was lights out every time he came out to pitch. And so, it's just very interesting. The baseball writers just don't really make sense, but I'm happy for Joe Maurer getting in. I'll say quick. I, I don't really have a take on it. I remember Joe Maurer playing for uh, De La Salle when I was playing for the Gophers. I remember home runs coming over to our practice field, and we're all going to like, who is this high school kid hitting bombs like this? So I've heard about Joe Maurer all his life, I guess, since high school, and then he goes on to the Twins. People thought he should have played football. Clearly not. He's a baseball Hall of Famer, so smart choice there. Um I'm going to go with our partner, our NBC partner, Dan Patrick. I listened to him, and he basically had a take on it, saying he didn't think Joe Maurer was a first ballot Hall of Famer because he felt like he was a stacker of stats. Like, it wasn't, like, super great all the time. It just was like he was able to prolong his career from going from catcher to first base. Um, He was one of the better hitters. Uh, He was one of the most consistent players. Uh, But he called him a stacker as well as he did uh, uh, Andres Beltran as well. He said both of me felt like we're stacking stats. So with that said, I think he is Minnesota. I think he is in, in the Mount Rushmore of Minnesota born baseball players. I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Just first ballot, honestly, from baseball. I don't follow it so much that I even really would know. I just know A-Rod probably doesn't get in because of steroids and and uh what is his name? Barry Bonds and you know McGuire. Steroids. So Joe Maurer did it the right way. So in that aspect he deserves it. So I'm a I'm gonna put the Grinch back in his in his cage. He, his heart has grown three sizes too big <laughs> for his heart, um, and so I'm gonna keep it with Joe Maurer. Congratulations, good job to you. Um, Dan Patrick says that. I'm just going off that, but I think you know what, nice guy. Now we got time for the speed round. In the speed round, we're gonna talk about wolves. We're gonna talk about Hockey Day Minnesota. But before we do that, I want everybody to know SiriusXM is a proud partner of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Please jump on to SiriusXM, download the SXM app, and once you're in there, just search Locked On Sports Minnesota. You'll get all of our shows, 
all of our content, the Ron Johnson Show, the football party, the roundtable, as well as the basketball party on Sirius XM. But now it's time for the speed round, people. Got two questions in there. We got the Wolves. We got Hockey Day, Minnesota. So start with the Wolves. Reggie, start us off. Yeah, so Cat scores 62 points, but they lose to the Hornets. It was just not the best moment for them this season. And Chris Finch ripped them. He said it was an absolute disgusting performance of defense and immature basketball. <laughs> it's pretty blunt. But you know what? Like, the 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 Wolves love and respect Chris Finch. And so he has the platform where he can say something like that and the team not take it the wrong way. They take mm-hmm. it as a challenge and they and they take it as, as this guy is just holding us accountable. And, you know, for a team that wants to be mature and wants to to play better and be respected around the league, like, they have to play better. They can't make themselves susceptible to being ripped like that. And so I I think that was concerning, but I do think that that probably puts a, a line in the sand as, as a possible, uh, I wouldn't say turning point because they haven't been playing bad this season, but I will say that that's probably something that helps them moving forward as they, you know, they're like, okay, yeah, maybe we're smelling ourselves a little too much. Maybe, you know, we think we're, you know, more than we are. Like, that was a humbling statement. And so I think if they keep that in the forefront of their minds, I think that'll help propel them to the success that they want to achieve this year. Sam? Yeah, hopefully it's a growth moment for them. Um, My biggest concern is just the trend of fourth quarter losses. And I said this on the Minnesota Basketball Party here on Wednesdays. But winnable games in hand late against Dallas, Boston, OKC, and of course, Charlotte. Uh, The three of those teams, very, very good. Still should have won. No excuses to lose nine-point leads in the last three minutes. Um, And obviously, no excuse to lose an 18-point lead in the second half to Charlotte, who, by the way, sold Terry Rozier for a pick the next day in (laughs) Kyle Lowry. So, um, yeah, that was a terrible game. Hopefully, that's a turning point for this team's maturity. Thanks for beating the Timberwolves. Good luck in Miami. That's basically what they did for them. Uh, Julia. Yeah, it's like you guys have said. It's just a maturity thing. Chris Hine, um, in one of his articles this week, said, what's the quote? Um, the Wolves are without floor general and adults in the room point guard Mike Conley. Um, they show a lack of maturity when he's not on the floor. Um, but I will say, against the Wizards, Cat did, he talked about, you know, he had that 60-point crazy team record, you know, against Charlotte. And then he said he realized um, the threes weren't going like they normally do. So he made an adjustment. He also said uh, they all kind of talked about the wake-up calls that Finch has given them throughout the season when they're not playing well. Um whether it's calling a timeout right at the beginning of a game when they start slow or they start kind of ugly, um, just kind of telling them, okay, you like wake up guys. We gotta, we gotta get this together. So I think it's just like you said, it's a maturity thing. Um, and they're just, you're going to run into problems. You can't be like amazing. I don't expect the wolves to be amazing and consistent for an entire NBA season. That's insane. Um, but yeah, I think it's just a maturity thing. And, and I think it definitely makes a difference when Mike Connolly's not out there. Yep, and I will say that it's all about maturity. Mike Conley has to be out there, and Cat, when you're missing, stop it. You need to stop it. Pass the ball. Uh, really quick, Sam, Hockey Day, Minnesota. Hockey Day, Minnesota. I'll give a quick plug. We're running out of time. War Road, Saturday. I'll be going up there. 
On Bally Sports North, Kevin Gorg, Ryan Carter. We've got games at 9.30, 1 o'clock, and 4.30, which is the Warroad Rozo rivalry. It's truly one of the best rivalries in sport, in all of sport. So check it out on Saturday. It's going to be an historic day in Warroad. 18-plus hours of coverage on the Bally Sports channels. Well, that'll do it for today on the Locked On Sports Minnesota. Make sure you guys check Hockey Day Minnesota out. Next week, we'll talk about hockey, and we didn't grow up from here, so we want to let you guys know what we think about your Minnesota hockey because it is awesome, not going to lie. It's the, the the hockey hair and all that. But I'm Ron Johnson. That's Julia Daniels, Reggie Wilson, Sam Ekstrom. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. And we want you guys to have a great weekend. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.